Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and thanks for joining me on the Brian Buffini Show. Today, very special program in store for you. I'm joined by Mr. Alan Taylor. Alan is an award-winning radio and TV host, is a motivational speaker, he's a presenter, he's a business guy, he's got more than 30 years in the broadcast business. He founded uh, Benchmark Entertainment in 1995 and has grown it into one of America's largest publishing houses. He's uh, an automotive aficionado. Alan's become the go-to person to share expertise in cars and trucks for the past 15 years on many shows, Good Morning America, The Today Show, you name it. Regis and Kelly, right? Uh, many of those shows. He's been an advocate for the military uh, in the community as a, a spokesperson for Patriot Outreach, something very close to my heart. And as many as well, other uh, tons of great charitable organizations. Now, I just read an intro out to all of you, so you might know if you don't know who Alan Taylor is. But what I will tell you is that intro does no justice to the guy that I know, whether it be all the different things you do, Inc. Magazine, whether it be uh, what you do with popular science. How did popular science get involved? I know. Um, your car show, the business and burgers, so many different things. But above all, Alan Taylor is a phenomenal man who's got a great life, a great family, married to the same gal for how long? 30 years. 30 years and is a connector of people unlike I've ever actually known. So, first of all, let me formally welcome you to the show, Alan, and the top of the morning to you. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. You're the expert on the radio show. I'm not. I had a, a blast being on the uh, Inc. radio show with yeah. you. So, kind of Inc. magazine on the radio, and right. you do a great job with that. Thanks. But I just I was so excited to kind of expose the folks who listen to our podcast to you because you represent so many different things that I think will resonate with people that we've attracted to ourselves, which is we talk about mindset and motivation and methodologies of success. But basically what I'm all about is showing people that you can be a good guy, you can be a good gal, and you can win. You know, good guys finish last, right? That was the phrase for years. And that's not been my experience. But, Brian, it says, the last of you shall be the first. Yeah. If that's what's important, then guess what? I'll be last every time. Yeah, right. But you're just such a good guy. You have such a great heart. Tell the folks a little bit. You know, I know you don't want to talk about yourself. You're always talking about other people. But for folks who don't know you, tell them a little bit about your background and where you started. Well, gosh, where I started. Um, I guess, you know, when I was young, my father always taught me to be an entrepreneur. And he never used the word entrepreneur, but... He taught me to fend for myself. If you want something, don't ask me for allowance. Go out and earn the money. Right. I remember I wanted to buy a bicycle. He says, well, then you need to go up and down and knock on the doors of the houses of the neighbors and wash their cars and earn the money and go buy yourself a bicycle. Right. And I remember thinking, what a jerk my dad was because <laughs> all my friends got bicycles. you know. But uh, So I did it. And oddly enough, because of that, everything in life, by the way, is connected in some way. Mm-hmm. And and so this story will, will come back around to that very thing. Mm-hmm. So I started life as a little entrepreneur when I was about uh, 10 years old. There was a lemon tree in our yard and it had a lot of lemons and I used to sell the lemons to the neighbors and 
And I would, you know, I got a skateboard from that money. And, and then, uh, of course, as I got older, I went and washed the cars, as my dad said, to buy the bicycles. And and I started buying and selling and trading things. And, and an entrepreneur was born, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my dad was an entrepreneur, too. He came over from England and uh, married a little southern gal from Alabama. So I'm George Costanza. I I'm kind of a redneck Jew. I don't know what I am. You know? <laughs> so, but um, I became a buyer and seller of things. Mm. Uh, along the way, my dad also taught me a foundation of kind of virtues and values and principles and, and to be, you know, kind of moral and honest about everything you do. Mm. And, uh, and to me, that came natural because that was the upbringing I had. Um, I hated dishonesty. I hated liars and cheaters, and I just wanted to have nothing to do with them. Now, your dad's a pretty famous guy in his own right, radio talk show host for many, many years. Yeah, 55 years he's been on the radio. He has a, a national program. It's called Advice Line Overnight. He helps people with their problems, emotional problems, and, and whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a meditation exercise. And I find that you know, in my business that I'm doing now with Inc. Magazine and all the successful people, they're all using some form of meditation, which right. is very interesting because you have to be still at some point in your life. And there's a tornado of thoughts in your head all the time. Well, if you can't escape from that tornado of thoughts, how can you ever know what to do is the right thing to do? Right. So being quiet for a few minutes, whether you call that meditation or just being quiet, that's up to you. But um, my, t- my dad taught me that, how to be quiet and to think about things a little bit more. But uh, I grew up and, and I continued buying and selling things. And then I bought a wrecking yard when I was 23 years old. And one thing led to another. And then I was a guest on a radio show when I was 25. And uh, they said, you should have your own radio show. And then they offered me a radio show. And so that was um, 30 years ago. Wow. Right? And... Um, one thing led to another, and then I realized that magazines needed to have brand extensions. Right. So I went to a magazine. It was Motor Trend magazine. You know, I'm a big car guy. Right. So I said, why don't you have your own radio show? And they said, well, if we had a guy like you, we would. And I said, well, then you got me. Wow. That happened. And then the next bigger magazine came along and said, hey, how do we get you to come work for us? I said, well, I'm happy where I'm at, but if you'll give me a license agreement to where I can represent your brand the same way I'm representing Motor Trend, so Car and Driver magazine gave me a license agreement, and then they gave me five license agreements. So I had Car and Driver. I had uh, Premier magazine, which was the movie magazine. I had Sound and Vision, which was consumer electronics. Mm. And everything was going peachy keen. And then the next bigger magazine group came back, and they said, well, how about if we give you, you know, 50 magazines? And I, I wasn't ready to start a network, but I, yeah. I kind of did a little bit. So <laughs> I, I, I did a little bit. <laughs> I took 13 <laughs> magazines, and I started creating radio shows. Yeah. And one thing led to another, and, I, and before long, I mean, I'm giving you the very, very short I version. Know. This little entrepreneur that was buying and selling uh, bicycles and then, you know, cars, and one thing led to another, I found out that... When I was washing cars as a kid, and sometimes they would want them waxed, the car wax company, Meguiar's, was a, uh, an actual person named Barry Maguire. He was a Christian man. <laughs> and I got to meet this guy. And I said, hey, I've been using your products since I was uh, 16 years old. And he became my mentor. Wow. We started working together. He sponsored my radio show <laughs> because he sold car wax. And I talk about cars, right? The two go together. Sure. And today we're friends. As a matter of fact, on our current Business and Burgers podcast, we sit him down and talk about kind of the secret sauce of his success, which is, by the way, my secret sauce, too. To me, if if you want to have a successful business, you have to care as much about, again, one of these real simple principles, mm-hmm. do unto others as you would have them do unto yeah. you. You have to care as much about the person that you want to sell your product to. You have to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You have to sure. care about them like they're yourself. 
care about the person, not just the transaction or the deal or the making a buck. Exactly right. So now, and again, which that. all sounds, you know, so many people think these great altruistic principle-based advices is great from someone who's already made it. Oh, but what did you do on the way up? What did you do when you're grinding? What did you do when you couldn't make the mortgage? You know, I think what most people don't realize is the principles come first yeah. and the results show up later. You you plant the seeds long before you see a harvest. Right. You didn't develop values or character or principles after you became successful. You know, that was the source of your success. Now, the main reason I love you so much, and, and many people call us brothers from different mothers, but you were a painter. I mean, you painted cars. I was a car painter. I right? painted houses. That was my family's business. Right. You were a car painter. When I was on after your show, you sent me a picture of you with the uh, with the mask on yeah. and the whole thing, and too many fumes probably affected both of us to turn out the way we did. Yeah. But tell me about the car side of things, because that that was kind of the core of how you became well known, and and you've done it so well now that you have become in many cases, a household name and been on all these national TV shows and roles. How did the whole car thing develop? You know, it's it's funny if I think back, and I don't think too far back very often because I'm so looking to the future of right. what's happening with new cars. But I, I remember when I had my first car lot with a friend of mine, and he was the boss. And I always thought that, you know, he was smarter than me, so he should be the boss. And I was the guy that would be out washing and cleaning the cars. And when people came onto our little car lot, we just had like 15 cars. They would come up to me, and I had the um, rubber boots up to my knees, blue jeans, T-shirt, and a bucket and soapy water, and I was washing the car. And the people trusted the car wash boy more than they trusted the car salesman, mm. right? So I was the car wash boy. They'd say to me, hey, what do you know about that car? And, oh, this is a good car. This is, you know, we, we just did brakes, this, that, and the other. And it's, it's a good car. I've driven a little bit. And you take it for a ride. And if you want to talk, you know, the boss is in the office. They wanted to talk to me because I was the regular guy. And if there was something wrong with it, I'd say, by the way, this car needs brakes. Mm-hmm. You might want to make sure you talk to the boss about that. Mm-hmm. One. And I just felt like, you know what? People like honesty. Mm-hmm. Raw. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's just honesty is good enough the way it is. Um, my dad tells a story about when he was a kid and he wanted to eat an apple. And his mom said, no, 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 hold on. Wait a minute. Give me that apple. And she'd take the core out and put cinnamon in the core and then put it in the oven and, and then cook it and give it. And then, and then she says, here, now that's an apple. It's like it wasn't good enough the way God made it, right? She had. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? The truth is beautiful the yeah. way it is. Yeah. And, you know, if you're just honest with people. That's all anybody wants, right? Right. So I was just always honest, and I was very successful until there was a crash. And in 1992, there was an economic crash, and everything fell apart, mm. and I literally I lost everything. Yep. I, and I remember thinking to myself, should I go bankrupt? I think I could go bankrupt. The laws of the country sure. make it to where you can keep your stuff. Mm-hmm. But all these people that were believing in me were friends of mine, and I thought, I don't need my stuff. I care about these people. So I sold everything I owned. Mm-hmm. And I mean everything. The grandfather clock, the house. My wife was pregnant, really pretty pregnant and becoming more pregnant by the day. <laughs> and at some point we sold our home. And she was three weeks away from having the baby. And I said, we got to close on this day because my wife's going to have a baby. And of course the house closed and we had to move in with my dad. Mm. And I'm 35 years old. I have a pregnant wife, two little babies, two wow. little kids. and. Uh, I was selling another piece of property I had because I wanted to pay back my friends, the people mm. that trusted me. Right. 
And uh, my wife went into labor. I said, you got to come by and sign these papers because we're selling this piece of property. She's like, I'm in labor. I said, then just come by. It's going to be 24 hours before you have that kid. <laughs> oh, she comes by the attorney and she signs the papers. And then my sister's with her. And I said, take her to grandpa's house. And she went to grandpa's house. I went and got a check. And I went and paid off a few things. And then my, my pager was going off. This was 20 years ago, yeah. July 25th. And I got to my dad's house a little bit late. And she was giving birth by herself. And I go, what are you doing? She says, I'm having the baby. I said, okay, let's go to the hospital. She goes, no, it's too late. I'm having the baby. So I delivered our baby at my dad's house on the floor in the bedroom. And I realized that, you know, that was kind of my my lowest point in life where I put my wife in harm's way. And I realized that, you know, what a schmuck am I that I would put so many, you know, even though I was doing it because I thought I'm I'm doing the right thing. I'm paying off my debts. Right. I'm not going to just file bankruptcy like so many people can and do. I chose to take the road less traveled. But from that day forward, I started rebuilding what I stood for, yeah, which was what is important, my family, my my wife, my children, my friends, and the people that trusted me. And you know what? It was a long road back. And I had times when right. bill collectors would call me and say, you know, you need to make a payment. You need to make a payment. I'd say, listen, I'm making $1,400 every two weeks. I'm trying to pay off my bills, and I'm trying to feed my family. There's nothing I can give you this time, because if I give you this money, I can't feed my children. Mm. Do you want me to not feed my children? And the people would say, no, well, you got to feed your kids. Mm-hmm. And so I was even honest with the bill collectors. Mm. And at a certain point, you know, it's taken a long, long time to recover. Sure. But I know that that is what I needed to get the character that I have now today to be able to deal with the Fortune 100 companies I deal with. Yep. And... I needed that depth of character and understanding and the grace that God gave me Mm. to understand what people have to go through in their lives. I had to go through it. I mean, Jesus had to get hung on the cross, right? Mm -hmm. That was not easy. He probably didn't enjoy that. (laughs) That wasn't a walk in the park. Mm -hmm. But he had to go through it so he could know what, you know, the horrors of humanity and life felt like, I guess. And I went through kind of the depths of hell. But I didn't become bitter. I became better. Mm. And I forgave myself for making a mistake. I had to go, you know what? You were a real idiot. You were you chasing the wrong thing. And now you got to do what's right because yeah. it's right and follow, you know, what your father taught you when you were a kid. And, and here's right? the thing. The truth of the matter is there is a common characteristic. You're almost word for word my story. Almost word for word. Really? Almost word for word. Now, I would say I feel better about myself because... My wife did not have any of our children on the floor of my father's house, which would have been very hard because it would have been an expensive plane ride to Dublin. Right. But I can tell you, you know, the truth is, I think any great person that I've met, and I, and I consider you one, there has to be a source of empathy and a compassion for people that, that you have to get tested in the fire and you have to find out what you're all about. And I went through the exact same thing. I had a business failure. I had had 47 businesses in my life. And I had one that went bad. So if you're a baseball player and you get 46 out of 47, you're good. You're really good. You know, Tim Tebow hit a home run in his first at-bat the other day, and that's all anybody talks about. But he went one for six. (laughs) Right. I went 46 for 47, but for years I was haunted by the one. Yeah. And it took a long time. And you, you, you lose your confidence. And you do doubt yourself. But I had the same thing happen. I had friends invest with me. 
I got carried away with, and it was a small little side business that ended up taking over my whole world. Right. And it ended up being the like the anaconda that consumed everything. Yep. But at the end of it, and it, you know, I say it takes six hours to put a bad deal together and six years to recover from it. Right. For me, it was very similar. But out of that, mine was in 1994, actually. But out of that, I would not have the business I have today. I would not be the businessman I am today. I would not. The 46 wins didn't prepare me nearly as much for what was to come as the one loss. Absolutely. And I had a business mentor at the time, and I lost $2.9 million on this deal. I was 27 years old at the time. And it's not that that's a lot of money. It's just that it was all I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, Brian, you've been to a $2.9 million seminar. What are you going to do with the information? Wow. And what I've found with this type of situation is that we've all been there. Yeah. And I think it's great because the people who are listening, this show is, is in 116 countries right now. You know, we launched in March and we had 350,000 we just hit wow. of people awesome. listening to the show. And the vast majority of them, when they tune in to hear some successful people talk, they never share their story about their wife on the floor of the father's house. Right. Because here's the thing. Psychologically, I mean, here you are. You want to be, your dad's a successful guy. You want him to be proud of you. And now your wife having the baby on the floor. You're moving back in. You've messed up. Yeah. It's crushing. Yeah. Now... We had a conversation here this morning over breakfast, and you were showing me how the CEO of one of the largest automobile companies in the world is texting you as his pal, and as you guys are talking back and forward over ideas, you're giving advice to one of the top CEOs in the entire world. So give me the short version of from <laughs> Dad's floor to the guy that's advising one of the top CEOs in the world like you are today. How did you put it all back together? Wow. You know, it's a strange path, my life. I'm going to go back one further from yeah. that. Because I think sometimes when we don't learn our lessons, mm. um, and this is an important one, when we don't learn from our history and our lessons, we're destined to repeat them. Mm. And in the year 1990, I was 30 years old. Okay. My wife was pregnant with a baby. And it was Father's Day weekend, and she was seven months pregnant. And life could not have been better. Child number two, our oldest son, Jason, was born on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. That's a love baby. Yeah, right? man. I mean, born on Valentine's Day. And on Father's Day weekend, my birthday. I know you and I share a very yeah. similar close yeah. birthday. June yeah. 21st is mine. Yeah, June 22nd for and, me. And it was that Father's Day weekend thing, you know. And she says to me, you know, uh, something's wrong. I, I got to go. We got to go to the doctor. I'm bleeding. And I said, what, what do you mean something's wrong? It's, you know, it's, it's like a festive weekend. I'm like, nothing's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be. What do you I mean? got plans, man. <laughs> That's, you know. Yeah, so anyway, we, we went to the doctor and. That day, later on that day, our baby died oh. in the womb. Actually, beyond that, it was the baby was uh, it was what's called anencephalic. The brain didn't form properly. Mm. The doctor said your baby cannot live outside the, the womb. Mm. I mean, this like happens from uh, we're going to go to a movie tonight, mm. go to dinner first. To uh oh, we got to go to the hospital because I'm bleeding and that's a little bit funny. And then they figured out that. The baby wasn't right, and mm -hmm. 
so they said we have to induce labor there's no reason to continue this and then the baby was born and died on the way out that was my birthday so I became angry Mm. and I became angry but I shoved the anger down I became a bit of a rebel without a cause now my dad in his wisdom when I called him and said the baby died he says oh that's that's a horrible shame that's a horrible shame he says but son the good Lord knows what he's doing he said, just like a tree, if it has a, a leaf that's not perfect, it drops the leaf because it needs to make another perfect leaf in order to keep the species alive, you might mm-hmm. say. So I realized that, you know, that God had his hand in what was going on in my life, but I still became angry. Mm. And so then I didn't learn. I, I became very distracted with life. I, I, everything, I needed to have things, right? Mm. I wanted to have the nicest cars and the nicest things and the nicest house, not knowing that just down the road, mm. a little further, was going to be a recession that was going to tear me apart and Take it away. So I had a chance to wake up and pay attention mm. to the, mm. the guy upstairs, but I didn't. I said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surround myself because I'm in pain with all this stuff to take my pain away. So then... The recession happened, and I had to give everything back, and my wife was pregnant again. Then the next baby I have to deliver on the floor at home right now. I remember being so thankful he's got, you know, toes and fingers and all the right things, and I was looking at this little baby I'm holding in my arms and, you know, in my dad's house on the floor, thanking God that, you know, nothing happened to my wife, that the baby's alive. And and then I thought, okay, this is strike two, buddy. You better not mess up anymore. Right. And so I realized that I need to change my life and what I'm all about, what I stand for. Why am I here? What is the purpose of this life that God has given me, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to get off on the, you know, the whole philosophy of my entire life, but technically it's very, very important that we all determine what are we here for? What are, we, what are you supposed to do, Brian? Mm-hmm. I see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm doing. Now I'll bring it around to the relationships. Mm-hmm. If... I am to have relationships with the biggest companies in the world, with their presidents, like you just said. Mm-hmm. I, I am texting back and forth with these people and emailing. And, 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 but what I realized is I need to be honest. I need to be the best at what I do. Mm. Whether, you know, if I'm just a car guy, I better be a good car guy. I better yeah. be honest. I better bring good information forward. I better be a good broadcaster, a good interviewer. So God knew he had something special going on for me down the road. So mm-hmm. he put me through the fires yeah. so that I could have that sympathy, empathy, understanding, mm-hmm. depth of character to be able to deal with what was coming, which is to deal with these people in, in high places and high power and to be able to give them my opinions. So to answer your question, how that evolved is I got chances to interview people like you. You said something interesting here, which is you decided, okay, if I'm going to be a car guy, I'm going to be the best at it. That's right. As you're going along, you're doing your show, you're communicating, you're articulating, and you're building relationships. Right. And there's a great scripture that says, show a man skilled in his labor, he'll serve before kings. And so the next thing you know, you're on these national shows, you're on Regis and Kelly, you're you're here, you're there, you're, you know, it's the the New York scene, and you're now this revered guy in this niche. And then how do you translate that niche into this dynamic where now all of a sudden you're this entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Now you're going from the car guy. Because I think many people do a good job in their job, and sometimes they feel stuck by it. Sometimes they feel like they're trying to escape it all the time. You've maintained 
the consistency of what you were doing in the car business, but now you've also translated into being the guy that does Inc. Magazine and a bunch of others. You know, it's interesting. And, and again, I'm a car guy. Yeah. It's like the most basic of all things. Everybody wants to be a car guy. But everybody likes cars. Everybody likes cars. So I started out, I was, you know, obviously working on cars, and then I I didn't have the money to paint a car, so I learned how to paint a car Mm -hmm. through my artistic skills because I was an airbrush artist in high school. I I loved airbrushing. I saw somebody do it, and I bought one, and I did it, and then I did it on the side of a car, and I had to clear coat it. So I had to learn how to put clear on a car, which is automotive finish. One thing led to another. I'm painting cars. And I always, again, I kept saying, I want to be the best at what I do. So I wanted to be a great car painter, not just a car painter. I didn't want dust in my paint jobs. You know what I'm talking about because you're a painter. Yeah, absolutely. I would go the extra mile. I would detail the car when I was done painting somebody's car. And you and I had this funny conversation. You would clean up the house. Mm -hmm. I would detail the car. So the paint job looked better because the whole car, the windows were clean. Yeah. I just wanted to always give more than was expected. Mm. I wanted to drive people to delight, mm. to where they weren't just happy, they were delighted. Right. And with that moment of delight, that aha moment, I think that is the birth of something called love. I love that guy, mm. right? He did such a good job on my car. He, he went the extra mile. I love that guy. That's the birth of something that is the beginning of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Because my company... Our slogan is brand you trust, people you love. Mm. So first, I want to trust that the brand is a good brand, you know, whether it be an Apple computer or, you know, the type of car you buy, whatever it is. It better be a good product. And then I love to find out who's behind that brand, right? Like meeting the Brian Buffini himself behind this big company that you are. Mm-hmm. I realize, well, of course the guy has a foundation of virtues and values and principles and morals. Mm-hmm. Of course he's been married and has this wonderful wife and wonderful children. Of course, of course, of course. Because his systems work. And guess what, everybody? They're nothing more than common sense put into a system and a That's process. That's 100% true. Right? Yeah. Yep. It's, and, but the beauty of it is it's a gift. But we have been so damaged yeah. as human beings, as children, whether it be through traumas or through what we were taught in school and... You know, that we forgot to use something that is called common sense, that sure. the common man has, right. the, the car wash boy, mm-hmm. the common man, sure. that they would rather trust the common man. Yeah. So I think that, you know, brands you trust, people you love is very important to me. So first I want to get people to trust me, which is I want to give something to them. Right. How can you not trust somebody that's giving a gift? Now, they always say beware of those who give gifts, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't, and I truly, honestly don't want anything back. And I've seen this. And I've watched you do this, and you know you have built this phenomenally successful business, connecting phenomenally successful people to one another. One of the things I want to talk a little bit about, because I really feel like you could help a lot of folks. We have a lot of business people who tune into this, and the core of our business to me is relationships and the ability to serve those relationships. You are just uniquely gifted in the area of building business-to-business relationships and connecting this business person to that business person. I've heard you refer to as the stitcher because you you stitch people together. You listen, you connect, you give. Uh, You were telling me a story here today about two Fortune 100 companies that would never talk to one another, but that you facilitated those two guys getting together, and they have dozens and dozens of economies of scales and things they're now going to do together to invest into one another to build both their businesses. And that was brought together by the guy that, uh, you know, 
20 some years ago his wife's giving birth on the floor while he's selling <laughs> right. the bedroom table that's right but maybe we can get into the pragmatic side of this which is talk to me about building business relationships because you're uniquely gifted at it and you've done it on a scale where it's these fortune 100 leaders how do you go about building business relationships well you know it's funny uh so much of it goes against conventional wisdom mm-hmm. and because so much of what I do, I do because I love. Mm. And I think, obviously, if I see two companies that I think can do well together and I don't introduce them to each other, I feel like I'm not doing what my purpose is. Mm. Talk about the stitcher. I'll give you a different way of saying it. I try and weave people together in the fabric of my life. Mm. And actually, if I help weave them together, then they want to weave me into the fabric of their life. Mm. So... If I am part of these gigantic companies in some tiny little way, it may be very significant to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you think of Fortune 100 companies that are doing hundreds of billions of dollars, a couple of million bucks is nothing. Hey, it's not bad. It's not even a rounding error. <laughs> so, but I, I just always, you know, I, I'm, I'm not afraid. I kind of give two thoughts to something. I, I get an idea. It's like, bing, light goes off, and mm-hmm. I go... Oh, let me think about that for a minute. And then if the thought seems to be pure and innocent and sweet, that is something that is so missing from business these mm-hmm. days is a, a gift. You know, a, a, an example is um, my father had a problem with mechanics. And, you know, he was always arguing with the mechanics. Of, you know, he didn't didn't quite understand the language they were talking to him. And, and I knew this one guy that would take the extra time to explain what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, that's his gift, is the gift of gab, to explain Mm -hmm. really clearly what was going on. So I said to my dad, I said, hey, you should use this mechanic over here because I see there's a good fit. I said, he's a good mechanic. He's an honest guy, and his name happens to be Jeff Gracious. I'll give his name out. What a great name. Right? And I said, Dad, I tell you what, the man is truly a gracious guy, and you'll love him. My dad's 89 years old, right? Wow. So my dad has got a couple of cars. And he goes to this guy, and he calls me back. He says, that was the nicest man I've ever met. My dad's British. Sure. And I realize, you know, some people are just good fits for others. Mm-hmm. So when I see people that are a good mm. fit, I, I don't deny what I see, and I just open my mouth, and I say, you know, I, I have somebody that I think you guys could work well together. Mm. But you also, you kind, of, you kind of burped it out and went along. Yeah. You said, the first thing I do is I think. The truth of the matter is, relationships are always about putting the other first. Now, you come out of a a place, I believe when you come out of a place of brokenness or difficulty or challenge, either makes you bitter and you've experienced that, or you get broken down and all of a sudden it makes you thankful. You know, you lost a baby and that is, I mean, I'm sure there's people listening here and it's, I I can't even imagine how painful that is. And then on the other side, you come out of it and you're given another baby and now you're so appreciative. Right. And you're appreciative in the midst of losing everything you have. Right. So everything everything you thought that was important gets taken away with the bitterness. Yeah. And so now you come from that foundation. And that's an important thing. The second thing is you're engaging in relationships and you're thinking about, okay, their need and what's going on. You know, most people in business are thinking about their own need. Well, Brian, I'd love to be altruistic. I'd love to give... But I don't know if I'm going to make the payments. I'd love to be thinking about how to, but I'm trying to make the payroll. You know, I'm trying to just find out where the next customer's coming from. I'm trying to hang on for dear life. You know, what 
you and I both have been rich and broke and rich again. And the dynamic that I've gone through and that you've gone through that I know is common is that, by the way, rich is better. <laughs> Isn't it? It doesn't suck. <laughs> right. It is better. <laughs> but the other part is, you know, you learn these lessons, you come along. You come from this basis of, I'm going to give, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to hold my hands open. You're not upset if a Fortune 500 or a Fortune 100 wants to write you a couple of million dollar check. You're not upset about that, but you're not sitting awake at night going, how can I get a couple of million bucks out of this Fortune 100? You're thinking about, man, I know this guy, and I know this gal, and I know their companies, and I know what they do well, and you're using your creative abilities to see here's why they might be a good fit, just like your dad with that mechanic. And as simple as it is, because, by the way, people go, well, how do I do that? And you see, I believe you learn how to get good at this by hooking up your dad with the mechanic. Right. Because that's what you're doing all the time. And you get good at it. And you get better at it. And you do it. You've got to be faithful with the little things before you're given the big things. It's not like the first time you put a couple of people together, they were both Fortune 100 CEOs. Correct. You've done it many, 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 many times before. Practice makes perfect. And so... The first thing I hear is you're thinking about it. The second thing is you're connecting them and you're able to articulate why they should be together. And then the third thing is you're holding it with an open hand. You're not coming to the table and go, and here's how you can take care of me. Yeah. And how many times a month are you doing something like that? How many times a day? It's all the time, constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In our conversations today, we're talking about different things yeah. we can do for one another and share and help and benefit other people yeah. and the conversation hasn't gotten around to where it shows up in the P&L or right. how to make a dollar with it. Before I came here mm -hmm. this morning I went to a biscotti company mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine owns and he's selling it and uh, I said listen I, I have a little time I'll, I'll go check out it's down the street from Brian's place. Just coincidence right that mm -hmm. it's literally right down the street here and he says well uh, listen we'll pay you a commission. I said I don't worry about that. Let me see if I can help you first. Mm-hmm. And I, I and like you said, I kind of just burped it out, and and because I, I truly I don't know if I can help. Right. So I went and looked at it, and I ate one of his biscottis, and I thought it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and I came over here, and we're doing this, and uh, I remember something he said to me on the phone. He called me, the owner of this company, and he said, "I like your way of thinking." I said, "What's that?" He said, "Your way of thinking." He goes, "Don't worry about it." He goes, "We'll talk about it later." And now I, you, you just made me realize what he meant by that, which was that I'll try to help you first. Right. And then I'll trust you to do whatever you want to do with me. Right. That's what I meant when I said that it goes against conventional wisdom. Right. I mean, I understand in real estate, there's a certain amount of commission. You sure. Expect yep. Certain, yep. But I mean, there's those little kindnesses that you can do for people that, you know, you know what? If you painted that house white instead of pink, you might get more money for right. it. Right. Yeah. Giving somebody some advice. And by the way, I know a good painter. And yeah. here's a, exactly the bottom line is it's the unexpected extras are everything. Right. Anybody can help somebody sell a house. Everybody charges pretty much the same. Everybody is a member of the MLS. Everybody has access to houses. What makes you unique? Yeah. Our whole system is kind of a giver's guide to greatness. You know, our average client earns eight times the national average, but it's, we basically teach them, train them, and give them resources to give to their customers yeah. and to give and to give and to give. And you don't give without the opportunity of expectation. But you don't give with the expectation that I just gave you, now you owe me. Right. Expectation is the word. Yeah, I, I don't, listen, I don't expect anything. It would be sure nice to earn something if yeah. something. I, but I had one of those Fortune 100 companies 
I was doing some business with, and they were paying me well. Mm-hmm. And one day I was having lunch with a guy like you, and we were just having lunch, and I got a phone call, and I go, oh, that's my big oil company client. Right. And I said, do you mind? And they said, no, go ahead. So I took the call, and they said, Alan, hi, how you doing today? I was, oh, I'm doing great, just having lunch with a friend. And they said, listen, I just wanted to call and give you kind of a heads up that we're not going to be doing anything with you next year. We're going to go a different direction, and I just wanted to make sure you had some time to prepare. And, and I went, what, what, what did you just say? <laughs> it, was, it was a couple hundred thousand bucks that Boom. just went out the window. Yep. And she says, well, we're, we're just going to go a different direction, and we're going to try some new things. And I'm telling you what, I could feel the blood leaving my yeah. body. It felt like it was draining out of my feet. Right. And something at that moment said to me, get angry. And I said, no, because you know what? I, how can I be angry? She was being gracious to me. She was giving me a heads up. Yeah. This is a giant oil company. What am I? I'm, I'm a nothing in yeah. the world in the scheme of things. And so I just didn't get angry. I just paused for a moment. And I said, what inside of my head and my monkey brain said, get angry? I don't know mm. what that was. That wasn't me. There's mm-hmm. kind of two, kind of the good angel yeah. and the bad angel yep. on our shoulders here. And I and I'm, my friend is looking at me, and he's watching my <laughs> face turn white. And I said, okay, well, so nothing? And she says, no, uh, nothing. We're, we're just going to go a whole different direction. I said, okay, well, thanks. I appreciate you giving me the heads up. Bye-bye. And and he says, what happened? I said, I just lost 200000 bucks. That's what happened. <laughs> but let me tell you how, how God works, Brian. wasn't too shortly after that that I made a relationship with the biggest competitor of that oil company. <laughs> and that oil company, shortly thereafter, had the biggest oil spill in the history of the world. Wow. Okay? So the company I left was now the company that was hated. And the company I'm now with was the company that is still to this day loved. Jeez. And that's been many years ago, and I'm still with them to this day. Wow. So God had a bigger plan for me. But, uh, again, you have to hold it with an open hand. That's right. And you have to keep your, you know, the main thing, the main thing. And it's great, you know, as, as we're having authentic conversation here, that it's okay that Angel Allen didn't, you know, it's good for people to know that you felt it. Yeah. It's good to people know that the reaction was still in you. Oh, yeah. It's good to people to know. I would have that, cried if I wasn't sitting with right. Her. Yeah, you know, like, well, you know, right? <laughs> right. You know, can I, cool. can I bring something large <laughs> yes. from the bar? It's just great stuff. And you and I can talk for 100 hours here. But one of the, the shows you do that I love is this whole business and burgers. I am a reader, I am a listener, I'm a voracious student. I, I was not a good student in school. But once I got a wife and a couple of kids, I became. A guy committed to growth. I went to the University of Hard Knocks, yes, and I said right. enough of that. And then you know, I met a guy years ago named Jim Rohn. And he said, "Work harder on yourself than you do on your job." Right. You go from making a living to making a fortune. I said, "Okay, I'm going to go work on me." So simple, right? It is, and they all—all all the true stuff, all the powerful stuff—is so simple. And so I am out there, and I've met so many people. I study. I watch stuff. I watch stuff that most people would just go, "What in the world?" I read so many books, so many bad books. You know, I, I mean, it's part of my job almost is to read the books and find the good ones and can distill down the good stuff. And I share that with my clients. Business and Burgers is fantastic. Thanks. It's fantastic. And I got to tell you, I'm watching these shows and they, you know, you have these unique characters on there that are entrepreneurs that have great insights. Uh, you guys sit down in these informal settings, you know, while also consuming some really cool burgers. <laughs> right. Uh, by the way, an Irish restaurant's made it in there several times. Oh, so just yeah. a little pitch for the folks back home. Yep. But 
uh, it's just some fantastic stuff. Tell me a little bit about because you guys have this conversational way of going about and, and gathering this information. What are some of these great insights that are kind of refreshing you that you're getting from these people you're interviewing on these shows right now? There's just some great thinkers out there right now that are really killing it in the world of business. You know, it's funny because even with your show, I've watched since your beginning mm-hmm. and listened. And uh, when you talked with your wife, Beverly, I made sure my, my <laughs> wife listened to that. And, and we were delighted. Mm. And what happens is that when you can bring, again, that word delighted, it's a reoccurring theme in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make my customers happy. I want to make them delighted. Mm. I want them to, to have that moment where they go, I love that guy. And and that's how I felt when I listened to your interview with your wife. And I think David Lally was the one that was the Yeah, interview. right. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. But, Cunning little interviewer <laughs> he is. But I, I find that when you hear somebody that has finally reached that tipping point in their life mm-hmm. where they're tired of chasing the almighty dollar mm-hmm. and they realize that there is something better that you should focus on. Like you said, focus on yourself more than you do you know, your job. People get to a certain point and it usually happens at a point of pain mm-hmm. where they realize, what am I doing wrong? They're saying, I've got to change my way. And I find that so many people that we interview and one that's coming up soon is a guy that is, you know, he does $70 million in business in consulting in the computerized world, the, the world of SEO, search engine yeah. optimization. He's a young man. He just is so transparent and honest. He told us about his depression. He told us about how he'd been living a lie because he borrowed all this money from his mother on their credit cards and they couldn't tell their dad because the dad would divorce the mom. And and I was thinking, you're saying this all out loud for the world to hear. (laughs) And he got to this point that, you know, it's like, yeah, honesty is the only way to go. Mm. Right. So what I've what I've really taken away from doing the business and burger show, and it's by the way, businessandburgers.com. You can watch it. Brian's going to be on one of these times. I'm, right. I'm, we're going to have a burger together. Brian. That'd be great. But what I realize is that we reach these, this point in our lives and so many people reach it some earlier, some later, some never where we just go. And I don't know if you remember the movie where I've had enough and I just can't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And we start searching. And so I guess what I'm trying to do now in my life is recognize in others, are you searching? Mm. Are you searching? Mm. If you're searching, let me show you what I've learned. Mm -hmm. Because who wants to watch someone else suffer? No one. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, whether it's in business or in life, and the two are sewn together or stitched together in the fabric of who you are, I and you, I know both of us together want to help people not have to suffer mm-hmm. through using whether it be systems and processes that you put together or tiny little bits of wisdom, little sayings. You know, my favorite poem in the whole world is If, mm. Rudyard Kipling. Oh, yeah. And I've tried to model my life and live my life after that silly poem, mm. which is not so silly because no. my whole life is what you see because awesome. of that poem. Yep. And if somebody hears and goes and reads If and goes, oh, that's it. Or here's something Brian Buffini says or Alan Taylor or God knows who else. You've yeah. brought so many to the table that I have benefited from. Mm-hmm. Then we can help others to not suffer. And that's the beauty of sharing that information. It Whether is. it's Inc. Magazine where you're bringing these and they do it too. great entrepreneurs that's and right. here's their success story and here's their failures. I think you, know, you use the word honest a lot. And I think in the modern vernacular, that honesty gets communicated into the concept of authenticity. Yeah. 
uh, it's funny. I've been approached to have a reality TV show for the past three or four years. You know, because I have this very interesting family and I live this kind of interesting life to some folks. And I entertained the idea because I had no interest in it. But I wanted to see the business model. See, I'm just a curious guy. Right. Tell me the business model and how does this work? And here was the top uh, reality guy in the world pitching me on this show. And he's come back to me three different times to repackage it, you know? And I was just curious about it all. But the one thing about reality TV, there's nothing about it that's real. <laughs> that's right. It's all contrived. It's all scripted. Yeah. It's all contrived. Yeah. And as long as you're willing to have no shame, you can be as famous as you want to be. Right. And it doesn't mean all reality shows are that. There's some cool stuff out there that you watch and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, the reason why people are attracted to that is because it, it gives them a feeling of a looking behind the curtain. Yeah. Even though they know then, okay, it's all drama central. People are starving for this authenticity yeah. because everything is so broadcast. Everything is so uh, just presented and everything's so polished. I give a little tip to people who are using social media. We have a, a pretty good following on social media. Anything, we have a TV studio down the street that we use, and anything we do that's uber-produced and uber-polished and whatever else, nobody watches. <laughs> nobody watches. Right. But anything that looks like it was done by someone working for me that was filming something they weren't supposed phone, to film right. on their phone yeah. gets 100,000 views. Yeah. And so people are starving for this authenticity. Yeah. People are starving for wisdom. And you've been there, done that, been around the block a few times, and now you're sharing that. And that's why we're kind of brothers from a different mother because, you know, that's what my passion is, is to bring that stuff out. You, you, know? you know, and you brought it out. You, like, uh, squeezed me because I've never talked like this with anybody, believe it or not. I've, I'm always the interviewer. Sure. So you got a little of my um, personal life there. Yeah. But I'm happy to share it. I've never hidden it from anybody. Yeah. When I was working for Fortune magazine, they never asked me what my education was, and they would have been shocked to find out <laughs> I owned a wrecking yard. <laughs> what are you doing yeah. representing us? High school. <laughs> high school and a wrecking yard. Inc. Magazine. And Inc. Magazine it was the next one, and I did talk to them sure. about it, and they're like, you know what? You are an entrepreneur. You have done everything that all these entrepreneurs that are successful had to endure to get to where you right, are. Right. That's what I love about Inc. Magazine, by the way. They always tell that other side of the story that you don't usually hear in the success story. You don't hear the, the real tough road that the person had to go down. Sure. But those people in that magazine and that Inc. Media world that I get to work with, they're so transparent and honest. I love it. And that's why I feel Here's like the thing, man. You cost me a fortune here recently. <laughs> There's a wonderful gal named Stephanie Carlson who works for you, who used to work for me. Right. So she was sending down some videos, and you guys were in Italy doing this stuff for Maserati. Yeah. And yada, yada. And I have never owned a fancy car in my life. You know, I got a fleet of Suburbans right. and trucks, because and, I got six kids and whatever else. And I'm watching this thing, and I, you know, I got this Italian last name and yada, yada, yeah, right. and whatever else. So I start researching Maserati, and I see Pavarotti was a spokesman. I love Pavarotti. And, then, and, and the next thing you know, I... Two weeks later, I'm at a doctor's appointment in La Jolla. Where my doctor is, I only go see her once a year for a checkup. And what is across the street from her office? The Maserati the dealership. The bloody Maserati dealership. So there's a freaking Quattroporte sitting in the parking lot, thanks to Alan Taylor. Oh, nice. But here's the thing. You looked like you were enjoying it. I was. And you were enjoying it. And because that was so authentic and real, it made me compelled yeah. to go check this thing out. And I just think that is what people can get from today. Because I think when people realize that just being myself is good enough to be great, 
and that when I just am who you know, God made me a certain way and I just got to be that that people are really attracted to that and that with this honesty you talk about translates into this authenticity and here's the thing you weren't trying to sell me a Maserati Mm-mm. but you sold me a Maserati <laughs> without knowing me you know, uh, having a conversation with me more than the guy who owns Maserati or was the CEO you were interviewing. Right. That's called being an influencer, by the way. Mm. And you and I are, are, I think, good influencers. I'll add to that whole thing, though. I, I'm thinking as I'm listening, you know, so many people say, oh, yeah, you guys, it's easy for you because you're there. Right. Well, both of us weren't here. Right. But we made choices every single day to adhere to right. virtues, honesty, integrity, decency, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I never have. Hmm. Not that I won't have a, a sip of wine. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. Yeah. I don't just. I've just told myself, you know what? I have four children. Yeah. I don't want to be an example to them to, that it's okay to, to go out and drink and drink beers and do all these things when you're working because one turns into two turns into a six pack because mm-hmm. all their buddies are drinking six packs. Mm-hmm. So I have three boys and a girl, and so I wanted to be an example. My dad was always a good example to me. Hmm. I appreciate and love him and honor him for that. Mm-hmm. He denied himself a lot of the simple pleasures of life because he had a responsibility. Mm. He had children to bring up, and he had to be a manly man, an honest man, a hardworking man, a man of integrity. And, and my dad is all that. Mm-hmm. And I see that, and so I want to emulate that. But I want to do it not because I want to make my dad proud. Of course I want to make my dad proud. Mm-hmm. I want to do it because I want to. I want my children mm-hmm. to recognize what I recognize in my dad. Mm-hmm. I love the decency is in him, and to me, he is my path to the Father in heaven. Because mm-hmm. you know what they say: when you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father, mm-hmm. right? In the same way on earth, mm-hmm. if my father's a godly man, then obviously I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Because I, my dad's not a wimp. Let mm-hmm. me tell you something. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've seen my dad get into a fight, but he fought over what he thought was his honor. Ah, you know? those Brits. God bless him. God bless him. I can't help being endeared to him, even though he's a Brit. I got to tell you. I'm going to do this. We have a kind of a rapid fire. Yeah. You're a rapid fire guy. You don't know the questions I'm going to ask you. So I'm going to get the top of your head, which asking Alan Taylor to come straight off the top of his head. Who knows what we're going to get? It's going to be great. I, I, by the way, I call this radio graffiti. <laughs> nice. Right? So nice. Go for it. Yep. Okay. First one is. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Wow. I I have to think that it came in that poem, If, Mm. because it had so many little nuggets that changed my whole life. Rudyard Kipling's If, look it up. Well, I know this, that in my heart there is, if you can treat success and failure, those two imposters the same. Yes. That's one of of it. That's one of those. and, And I will say this, I have lived that. Awesome. I have lived that and, yeah. and not get too attached to either one. So that's, that's cool. Okay. What one talent or gift do you wish you possess that you currently don't? Well, when I interviewed you, I must say that the thing that I admire about you is what I know that I lack, which is the organizational skills that you have and that you help others to learn. I love that. And that's what our friend Stephanie has mm-hmm. tried to do for me, who worked for you. <laughs> and and so, I, and I again, I don't think that our meeting is a coincidence. Sure. That God has sent me in my life so many wonderful things. And people probably think, oh, he's a, you know, he's a Bible thumper or whatever. Uh, no, I just, I recognize where this comes from. It's not a coincidence that we meet people and that we do things. And so I, I love and I wish that I had better organizational skills. And maybe you can teach me that. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to become something you're not. 
but everybody benefits from from something like that. So you don't have to become a computer programmer to benefit from what Bill Gates uh, or Steve Jobs did. They you know they developed a system, and you just got to find out how to tap into that. So that's a good thing. What book has been most instrumental in your life? Probably the book that I read recently called Think and Grow Rich that I have not finished reading. Sure. I started out when I said Think and Grow Rich. I thought, oh, well, you know, of course I want to grow rich. Yeah. But the, the word in the beginning is think. think. Yep. And once I realized that about 25 or 50 pages through that, you know, the, the whole book is to teach you how to think for yourself yeah. at the end of the day yeah. and to listen, yeah. think and listen. So that one, besides the good book, yeah. you know, the Bible, which I, I think I read it when I was so young, I was learning it instead of understanding it. Yeah, right. So. No, that's neat. Well, you know, when my house burned down a few years ago, we had thousands and thousands of books. My wife is a voracious reader. I'm a voracious reader. We went through the whole lost thing and whatever else. But one of the things we did was we said, okay, we get to start over with our new home. And we built these beautiful libraries with no books. (laughs) And I go, okay, now each book is going to be like a nugget. And the first two books were How to Win Friends and Influence People and Think and Grow Rich. And even though I'd read them many, many times, it was a cool deal to start building my library back over again. So hmm. that's neat. Nice. Okay. Give me a favorite song or a band or something that's really just like, it's one of your go-tos. What's, uh, you know, I did a show. I did an actual radio show with Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Oh, wow. Called Monster Radio for a year. Huh. And whenever I would hear ZZ Top, I always thought, they make cool music, yeah. right? And when I met him, uh, he was a car guy, and he wrote a book called uh, Rock and Roll Gearhead. Interesting. And so I play this one song on my show all the time, which is Sharp Dress Man. Yeah, sure. Right? And oh, that was the song in the 80s, man. That's right. I, so I love, like, your Irish music that you played in the beginning. Yeah. I love music, but I've never been completely taken over by music. Sure. And so to me, there's there's so many beautiful, amazing songs in this world. Your music you play on your radio show is fantastic, by yeah. the way, for a guy who says he's not a big music guy. Yeah, well, I understand the value and the purpose of music. Yeah. But I said to Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top, I said, I've never seen you play. I've never been to a concert in my whole life. He says, you've never been to a concert? <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> and then when we were having dinner one night with this guy um, named Jimmy, and I, I Billy got up to go to the bathroom, and I said, hey, Jimmy, so what do you do when you're not hanging out with Billy? I don't know what you do. And he says... You don't know who I am, do you? And Billy Gibbons just walked right back up from ZZ Top. And he says, Alan doesn't know who I am. And Billy Gibbons shook his head. It was it was Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I had dinner with him. I didn't even know who he was. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I love music. Yeah. But I don't have, I don't think there's really, you know, anything that really inspires me in some great way. I, there's mm. so many awesome sure. songs, right? But I love Sharp that's Best Man. There we I go. used to play it at the intro. Well, that, that's a good car song, yeah, too, is, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, is there a movie you watch over and over and over again? Braveheart. Just, oh, come on. I love come Braveheart, on. Now, here's seriously. The, that's got to be a conflict for you because the English are the bad guys in that movie, hey, you know? It, it's, but, you know, I mean, do you like Braveheart? Oh, come on. Uh, yeah, I cried. That's the only movie I've ever cried. Mm. I had to actually, uh, you know, go out in my car and just sit and cry because yeah. I, I watched the suffering that Mel Gibson went through in that yeah. movie with his wife and, you know, just the, and I thought to myself, thank God that I am in living in this time. Sure. 
Yeah. And and that movie had an impact. And then the other one was Ten Commandments. My, nice. My next one. So nice. I love it. Beautiful. That's great. Well, yes, I've watched Braveheart a few too many times. <laughs> my kids are like, Dad, we know what's going to happen, I know, right? At a certain point, yes. But you know what was neat? I took them to London this year, and there's a plaque in London where uh, William Wallace was actually executed. And he died so well that they actually commemorated the place. The people who put him to death commemorated the place where he died. Wow. So it's a, it's a profound deal. He died well. Wow. Died well. Wow. Help people win their freedom. Here's what I can tell you. You know, you're a special guy. There's a whole bunch of folks who listen to our program who you're going to be new to. You could sit here for an hour and name drop. You have so many relationships. You've been there, done that. But the great thing about you is whether it's the guy who was the mechanic who could explain to your dad or a Jimmy Page or whoever else or the the CEO of one of the largest companies in the world, you treat them all the same. And you're genuinely interested in them all. And you're generally clued into them all. And I've watched you do this. And we, I've known of you for so many years. And I've heard of you for so many years. And then having a chance to build a friendship over the last few months here has been pretty neat. Likewise. It's just been very cool. Inc. Magazine Radio is fantastic. Thanks. And I wish I'd have had more access to that as a young entrepreneur. Yeah. But I, I'm listening to that in truth. It's got me back uh, subscribing to the magazine. Thebusinessandburgers.com. I, I can't commend it enough as far as fresh innovative clear thinking authentic stuff from people in the trenches getting it done and killing it yeah and you guys do a great job and along the way there's a couple of referrals and good places to eat which is classic but i really appreciate what you do but more importantly i appreciate who you are i think you've provided a great gift to our audience today to listen to a guy who's been there and done that who reflects the mindset motivations and methodologies to success so i want to thank you for being with us today it's been a blessing for me and and i got i got a lot out of it i hope the folks listen to i mean that's the cool thing about it is the work we get to do i made my own day by having you come here today so awesome it's good stuff well i'm a little bit embarrassed because i feel like i wanted to bring something really good to the table i hope i did one last story for you yeah i met steve mcqueen's son chad mcqueen Mm. and when i grew up steve mcqueen was everything right bullet and um, I guess I, at that moment in my life, I was challenged to put my money where my mouth is. And this will happen to all you guys listening. I went to his birthday party after I got to know him a little bit. He invited me to Malibu to his birthday party. And he got drunk. And he had two little kids that were six or seven and eight and maybe eight and nine, whatever. And I was watching him make a fool out of himself. And, and it was killing me inside because I had children the same age. Mm. And I went over to him and I said, Chad, I got to go. I said, can I talk to you for a minute? And he says, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. He goes, what's going on, Al? He called me Al. Mm-hmm. I go, I got to go, I got to go. I go, I'll tell you why, come here. And and he was making a real fool out of himself. So we went next to the front door, and I said, I'm leaving because I can't watch you destroy your children because your children are watching you make a fool out of yourself. He goes, it's my birthday, Al. I said, there's no day ever in the history of, of this world that it's okay to have your children watch you make a fool out of yourself. And I said, so I have to go. I have to tell you this, and I have to go. And I can't be your friend if this is the kind of man you are. And he goes, wow, Al, that's so heavy, Al. It's my birthday. <laughs> I said, well, you know what? Sometimes in life, things are heavy. Yeah. And I walked out of the door, and I wanted to cry, Brian, yeah. because I wanted so much to be the friend of Steve McQueen's son. Right? Sure. But, And I want you to know that I'm his friend today. Sure. Because he'll never forget that yeah. I stood for something in that moment. Yeah. And the best friends are made when you're challenged over something that is so important as the innocence of a child, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And 
in your life, people, that if you have those chances, you got to do the right thing. Mm. No matter what you lose, yeah, you got to do the right thing. Don't lose yourself in the process. That's exactly right. Well, here's the thing. That day in the Hollywood scene, even the children of, of Hollywood icons, they n- don't know who to believe. They don't know who to believe, yeah. and they don't know who to trust. That's the well, one and, thing that defines it. And, and that day, he knew who to trust. And, you know, I didn't blame him because I guess that's the way they get brought up, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and I feel kind of like this was a long, long time ago. Sure. But I felt kind of bad, and I doubted myself, and I thought I blew it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're going to have all those doubts, everybody. You're always yeah. going to have all those doubts, but mm-hmm. you gotta you got to follow what you know is right in your heart. Yep. And you know what? I hope that I had some impact on his life that day. Yeah. I believe because I see his children are doing well today. Yeah. And he had a horrific crash and almost died. Mm. And he's a different man today. Mm-hmm. But I, I got to meet Clark Gable's son, who, who Clark Gable died before this guy was even born. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw all kinds of pain and horror inside this man's eyes. And I thought to myself, wow, this is not the life I want. What we think is this amazing life right. that all these celebrities have is not amazing at all. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, this so, is amazing what you and I are doing. Well, it's it's cool stuff. And I think no matter what, doing the right thing for the right reasons in the right way will ultimately produce the right result. Yep. There's a law of the harvest, and you reap what you sow. And sometimes you don't get to reap it right away. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you stand up to do the right thing, and you communicate in the right way, and the guy never wants to see you again. That's right. And that happens, so too. So be it. But at the end of the day, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. That's exactly right. So that's great stuff. Well, I've enjoyed the heck out of having you here today. I know you've been a blessing to all the folks who are listening. And so for those of you who are regulars, hey, head over and leave us a a review on iTunes. We love to hear your feedback. We're also on uh, Android, so you can head to your favorite podcast app from Google Play. I love hearing your feedback and any reviews you have. Our goal is to positively influence as many folks as we can. So be sure to share this show with other people. That's all we ask. So as I finish here today, I'm going to leave you with a little Irish blessing. Mr. Taylor's been blessing us all day. So I'll leave you with what my grandfather always said when he left the house. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.